and welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. It is uh, hot here in July. It usually is. You know, Kathy Hochul, our governor, she's all concerned about it being too hot and it's raining too much. And she said this past weekend, it may not look bad this moment if you look out the window, but the storms are continuing to surround us and we're in what I would call an unstable weather condition. She said if she was talking from her midtown Manhattan office, this is possibly our new normal, she said. Talked about the devastating storms. And we've had a lot of storms here, especially in upstate New York that have torn through the New York region. I, I guess about $50 million in damages statewide. We have the smoke from these uh, Canadian wildfires continuing to uh, affect our air and air quality. But the governor said this is a, a kind of weather that even on what should normally be a beautiful beach-going Sunday in July, can turn into a devastating catastrophe because of Mother Nature. You know, we got a ton of rain. We usually do in July. It's hot. It's muggy in July. It's not the new normal, Governor. It's just normal. But the left wants to tie all this, you know, this weather we're having uh, into a climate change. And the, and the Canadian wildfires are the result of climate change. You know, New York emits, and I'm not going to go down this road because I have some other things to get to, 0.4% of carbon emissions New York emits of the worldwide amount, 0.4%. So all these progressives in New York City have enacted all these new laws and new regulations that are going to choke off industry. And that's what they're designed to do, frankly. They're so concerned about New York's carbon footprint. We emit so little compared to the rest of the world. What are, what are we going to do about the, the climate change or the climate changing? It's changed since day one. It will continue to change. But they're trying to make it into it's a whole we got to do. We got to do more. All right. Let's uh, discuss um, presidential politics. Bobby Kennedy, RFK Jr., uh, made some comments at a New York City restaurant recently. And they're, you know, they've... Uh, stirred up the uh, a hornet's nest of sorts. The usual suspects are accusing him of anti-Semitism and racism. There's a, a column here in front of me by Jonathan Wiseman. And the headline reads, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. airs bigoted new COVID conspiracy theory about Jews and Chinese. What Kennedy said was, COVID-19, there is an argument that it's ethnically targeted. Kennedy said that COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. He was at a private gathering. New York Post put this uh, online first. There's a videotape uh, on the New York Post's website. Kennedy said COVID-19 is targeted to attack Caucasians and black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese. <clears throat> I don't know where he gets his information. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But he doesn't strike me as somebody who shoots from the hip. He's very bright, usually has his... Facts in order. I've, I've read his book, The Real Dr. Fauci, about COVID and about the vaccines. And of course, the left cannot stand Kennedy because he speaks truth. He's touched a few nerves. And Wiseman, Jonathan Wiseman, in his piece said Kennedy has made his political career on false conspiracy theories about not just COVID and COVID vaccines, but disproved links between common childhood vaccines and autism. Then he goes on to list a few other <clears throat> conspiracy theories, according to Wiseman. Who says they're false? Wiseman? Kennedy usually has his facts from what I've read about him. He's got uh, things in order. I mean, he's a very bright guy. He's an attorney for the environmental movement. He's an environmental advocate. And he's a big threat to Joe Biden. That's why the left and all their media arms are coming after him. Can you imagine 
RFK Jr. and Joe Biden on a debate stage? I would love to see that. And the Democrats, of course, would not want to see that. The Dems are afraid that Kennedy will go third party. And if he does that, uh, Biden is done. And there's talk of also a, possibly a fourth party. This nutcase, uh, this academic, Cornell West, is talking about running on the Green Party ticket. So that, that'd be great for Trump, or whoever the uh, Republican nominee is. I think it'll be Trump. Yeah, a lot of people think that it's just not uh, DeSantis' time. He's a young guy, 44 years old. I think they want to see Donald Trump back in the White House. It's his time. They feel he was unjustly uh, taken out in 2020, that the, the election was stolen. And I think they want to see Trump and Biden or Trump and whoever square off again in a year and a half. Speaking of the presidential politics, Mike Pence, I'm sure, I'm sure most of you have seen Mike Pence's comments to Tucker Carlson this past week. And I had them somewhere. I'm not able to access them. But it's, it's been said that uh, Pence's comments on the U.S. military aid or the lack of uh, timely military aid to Ukraine and also his claim, Pence's claim that Zelensky, that uh, religious liberty is uh, not, I won't say flourishing, but it's, it's not under attack under Zelensky. I think those comments have put the final nail in Pence's, uh, the final nail in the coffin. I think Pence is, is done. He's been exposed. I like Mike Pence. I always did. But Carlson just put him on the spot, which is Carlson's job. He asked some pretty pointed common sense questions. If you're running for president, shouldn't you be concerned with what's happening here in America, in American cities? That's what Carlson pointed out to him, the condition of many uh, of the largest U.S. cities. I mean, we're in trouble. Our cities are just in some serious disrepair. Crime is up in many cities across the country. Filth is just rampant in, in so many of our major cities. And Pence said he, it's not his concern in, in, in so many words. It's not my concern, Tucker. He's more concerned with what's going on in the Ukraine and why U.S. military aid isn't getting to Ukraine as, uh, Ukraine as quickly as he would like to see it. And then to claim that religious liberty is intact under Zelensky it, is absolutely false. The data does not support that. So I think Pence is done, unfortunately. I think uh, he was, I think, polling at zero or one percent anyway. Some of these other Republicans, I mean, Nikki Haley, I mean, she's floundering. Asa Hutchinson and uh, who else? Of course, Chris Christie, you know, going after Trump, thinking that's going to win him points. Maybe it will on MSNBC and CNN, but he's nowhere. And, you know, I think Trump's going to be the nominee again. Right, wrong, or whether you think he can win or not. You know, there's a a split of opinion among conservatives, whether he can win and many conservatives think that the numbers are just not there. But Christians are backing Trump in huge numbers. And I know a lot of Christians who just can't pull the trigger for Donald Trump. They they couldn't four years ago. They couldn't in 2020 or in 2016, rather. And they just don't understand why so many evangelicals, especially, support Donald Trump's uh, presidency and his candidacy. And I mean, he's certainly when he was a candidate in 2016, there were the the uh, Access Hollywood tapes and his three marriages. And, you know, he's obviously a flawed man, as we all are flawed. We all fall short of the glory. But some of these same people are saying, well, his personal life is, is just too dicey for me to support him. They supported Clinton, especially women. We all know what Clinton did. I won't even say alleged to have done what Clinton did. He is a womanizer. And but they supported Clinton nonetheless. But the Christians just they can't get behind Trump. When you look at what Trump did, look at the Supreme Court nominees who are now justices on the high court. 
Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. The overturning of Roe versus Wade. I mean, Trump's, uh, you know, nominees to the high court alone would have been enough. But I mean, he's, I mean, Tony Perkins, top religious leader in this country, top Christian. So when you look at Trump's background and how he performed as president and what he did in terms of advancing or restoring policies that respected faith and upheld a moral foundation, nobody else even comes close. I know the affairs, you know, Stormy Daniels and the uh, the Twitter rants, but I'm telling you, Trump was the first sitting president to appear publicly at the March for Life, this pro-life march that happens every year in D.C. and normally gets, you know, upwards of 10,000 people. In 2019, he announced his administration was working on creating a new federal policy that allowed religious adoption facilitators, homeless shelters, health care clinics, and other organizations to participate in grants from the Department of Health and Human Services. That had never been done before. That's why Christians support Trump. They know that he is the, the, the one who will be best able to protect Christians, to protect the sanctity of unborn human life, and bolster our freedoms. I mean, DeSantis and, the, and Pence, they all talk a good battle, but Trump has a proven record. That's why Christians support him. He got 80% of the evangelical vote in 2020, and he'll get it again. Speaking of uh, Christians and their support of Trump, Turning Point Action recently announced the results of its uh, Turning Point Action Conference straw poll, and it shows Donald Trump with an overwhelming lead for the uh, 2024 GOP primary. 86%. Second place, Perry Johnson, who finished at 8%. Third, DeSantis at 4 Vivek Ramaswamy polls at 2%. I mean, that's why. I mean, Christians are getting behind Donald Trump. And, you know, frankly, that's why he won in 2016, because so many, especially evangelicals, came out and pulled the lever for Trump. So I think uh, I'm I'm feeling good right now about his chances in 2024. I, I really am. This country is in such disrepair that there's nobody else. I mean, I put my faith in Christ, obviously. There's no one man who's going to bring America back. We need to have a revival. But I think Donald Trump is best able, as of all the presidential candidates, to, to, bring us, uh, to bring us back. You know, there's a column by Brian Metzger, and I want to just draw your attention to this. I'll just make mention of this in passing. And this is the liberal slant. This is how liberals look at everything. And this is just an example of the bias. The headline reads, Joe Manchin, West Virginia senator, has the straightest and whitest staff of any Democratic senator. I'm thinking, well, so what? Why is that an issue? He has the least diverse staff of any senator. A Senate diversity survey found 0% of his staff identify as LGBTQ and just 12% are non-white. Women make up just 46% among the lowest of Democratic senators. Now, why is this an issue? I mean, is his staff competent? That should be the question. Not whether or not you have a certain amount of blacks or women or LGBTQ people making up his his staff. You know, this is how Democrats think. Can you imagine if uh, Brian Metzger and the Business Insider, I guess this is from the Business Insider, would they have an issue with a senator having the blackest and gayest staff of any Senate member? No. It wouldn't even be an issue. I'm tired of hearing this diversity is our strength nonsense. I don't know where this started. Diversity is not our strength. 
All right, let's uh, let's discuss uh, married people. I'm married. Most of the country is married, but there are, you know, a lot of single people out there. Uh, there's this piece in Newsmax Health, I think I got this, that claims to show that married people or people cohabitating, they don't have to be married, just living with somebody, apparently is better for your blood sugar control. Now, I'm also diabetic. I've been married 20 years, 20 plus years. And uh, my blood sugar is okay because I take four shots a day. Not, not because I'm, I mean, I, you know, I, I like being married. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I question some of these, some of these reports. I guess you, I'm not going to read the report to you, but I mean, if you have lower stress levels, I mean, most people who are married have lower stress levels and they, that lower stress levels tend to lead to lower blood sugar levels. But this data for this study uh, the investigators evaluated data from more than 3,300 people ages 50 to 89 living in England, not America, but England, between 2004 and 2013. These people did not have diabetes, but they did have blood samples taken to, to test their average blood sugar levels. They were also asked if they were married or living with someone and answered questions designed to measure how well they got along in their relationship. Married or cohabitating people tended to have a 021 percent decrease in blood sugar levels compared to singles. If applied to the general population, such a decrease would result in 25% fewer deaths related to high blood sugar levels, according to the study's authors. The amount of strain in the relationship did not appear to affect the benefit in blood sugar control. This is in the BMJ Open Diabetes Research and Care. But if the couple broke up, their blood sugar levels suffered. But married people generally live longer and are happier, and in some cases healthier. That Those are my comments. I mean, you know, I don't know. I'll get in trouble if I say any more. But thank you very much. That's about going to do it to it. Thank you very much. I had a ton of stuff here I didn't get to. We'll have to do it in a future uh, podcast. Don't forget, hit like. If you like this show, please hit like, hit subscribe, and share with your friends on social media. Tell your friends about the Pac-Man podcast with me, Ted Flint, and the BMG Network, where you can find this podcast and so many other fine shows. My daughter, Madeline, with The Essentials with Maddie Flint, that's up there. Adrian Ross has a show up there, and uh, Ken Burns, our our leader, has put on some uh, additional podcasts. There's some new podcasters up there, so check it out, the bmgnetwork.com. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pac-Man, P-A-C-M-A-N, at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in, and if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to thebmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.